Hello, everyone. Um, welcome to the show. Uh, today we have with us Daniel Stribos, who is a PhD candidate at Amsterdam UMC. He is also a physiotherapist at Nice Mellingen Hospital, Drachten. Uh, at the premise WDPI Myopen conference, he is conducting a roundtable with Paul Caillou titled Getting a Better Grip on Barriers and Facilitators to Implement the Back at Work After Surgery Clinical Pathway. Daniel, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Aditi. I'm going to ask you a question that I ask everyone who comes onto the show. Um, how did you get into this field? How did you get into physiotherapy? And then how did you decide to um, work on this particular paper, work on this particular um, subject? Yeah, thank you. So I was uh, finished uh, as a student for my physiotherapist and then I uh, started my master's as a clinical health uh, researcher. Um, and when I finished that, the, in, our, in our hospital where I work, in Nice Medical Hospital, uh, an insurance company came to our hospital and they asked, well, Daniel, can you uh, train people before surgery so that, so that people will go back to work earlier after surgery? So we thought about that a little bit, and that's where we started to, uh, to create the back at work after surgery clinical pathway. And how did you get into physiotherapy in the first place? Um, I was doing first medicine, uh, but I, I didn't manage to do that in my first year. So it was actually a second choice. Um, but that's where I got my motivation to not only do normal physiotherapy, but try to do a little bit more for the, uh, for the job in, in, in general uh, and try to, to um, enhance the, the, the care, the given care for, for, for more than one patient only. Mm. Um, to all the experts that I've talked to so far, um, everybody talks about the importance of physiotherapy and physical therapy when we're looking at um, recovering from chronic pain. So what you're doing is really important work for sure. Um, Thank you. Speaking of your paper, um, how did your work as a physiotherapist inform your research on the back at work after surgery protocol? I was working in the orthopedics ward uh, in our hospital a lot. And that's where I saw a lot of patients who are getting knee arthroplasty and hip arthroplasty. Mm -hmm. um, and what we already did in our hospital is that we did a lot of prehabilitation. So we tried to get the people better in so that they get better out as well. But where we focused a lot on the better in part, we didn't focus on the better out part. And if you ask me, you should focus on what is important to a patient to regain after surgery. And mm. for people who are still in working age and who are still working, often that is to go, to, to go back to work. So um, for listeners who don't know or who are not aware of this, um, I highly recommend that you go read up on the paper. It's going to be in the description below. Um, and the back at work after surgery protocol uh, focuses on implementing an integrated pathway for improved return to work after knee anthroplasty. Um, so can you share some key findings or insights from your feasibility study? Yeah, for sure. Uh, when we first created this pathway, we did a feasibility study to see if our uh, idea was actually um, uh, feasible to, to, to implement in, in current practice. And therefore we saw 11 people um, I, I did uh, the, all, all the physiotherapy as well, so um, uh, all the given care was, was, was uh, given by me. And um, what we did is that we, um, we tried to, to uh, incorporate the um, occupational care as well really early stage. Uh, 
So before surgery, uh, an occupational expert was hired to, um, um, to, to record all activities that is needed to uh, regain your work after surgery. And in that way, we knew directly after surgery what kind of things we needed to, do, to train to uh, enhance getting back to work as well. Mm. Um, then within this pathway, we, we examined um, the given care, so uh, the, the, the plan that we had, and we later on tested if uh, all the given care was received as well. Yeah. And there uh, we had some key findings. And the most key finding was that we uh, tried the, tried for the orthopedic surgeon to incorporate mm -hmm. uh, work as well uh, within their decision to, uh, to get arthroplasty. But we saw that that was really hard to do because in the Netherlands, uh, the orthopedic surgeon does only get 10 minutes to assess a, 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 an x-ray and to assess if whether a patient needs an arthroplasty or not. And to incorporate even more on work, it's, it's really hard to do, we, find, we, we found. That's really interesting. So um, what are the main factors that are contributing to successful return to work outcomes for patients who are undergoing knee arthroplasty? Yeah, so it's really, really important to incorporate the occupational health really early in early stage so that we can work together instead of what we normally see in the Netherlands is that you get your surgery, then you get your rehabilitation, and afterwards yeah. you will do your getting back to work trajectory within your occupational health. <clears throat> and what I believe strongly is that you should incorporate those occupational health within the rehabilitation. Mm -hmm. Uh, getting back to work, I think, is the same way trained as, for example, getting up from a chair or, or even walking, uh, eventually without walking aids. It's something that you need to start early on and you need to take the time to do it correctly uh, and not overrush. And therefore, um, I don't think you should do your rehabilitation first and then your uh, occupational uh, getting back to work pathway. Um, this gives me an opportunity to um, bring about some more context to your paper, right? So in our last conversation, um, you really emphasized how um, occupational health and medical health are two separate trajectories. Yeah. So, uh, and they don't commonly have discussion amongst each other. So an occupational physician may know a lot about return to work, um, but may not know a lot about knee surgery in itself. That's really a medical health um, field. Uh, so how did you bridge that gap in your paper? Yeah, so uh, exactly what you say. We saw that uh, occupational physician uh, does know a lot about get, getting back to work and does know a lot about the worker as well. Yeah. But um, they often don't know that much about a knee arthroplasty and, and what comes yeah. to mind when you have rehabilitation afterwards. Mm. Um, whereas a physiotherapist, we know a lot about rehabilitation, but we don't really know a lot about the occupational health. So uh, we thought, let's combine that. Uh, and one of the main um, interventions that we do is that after five weeks, we organize a digital um, multidisciplinary hearing. And during this, uh, this hearing, the patient is, uh, is an active participant as well. 
Mm -hmm. So we get the occupational physician, the occupational experts, the physiotherapist uh, from the hospital, the physiotherapist as well, and the patient. Mm -hmm. uh, and we uh, examine how it goes those first five weeks. But we also make a plan for going back to work. So that's really early stage. But in that way, we uh, we know where the the orange and red flags are, if, if they are any, mm -hmm. uh, to return to work. And we can identify them identify them quickly and we mm -hmm. can ask for example a physiotherapist to have uh, to have really good um, uh, understanding of those dif difficulties as well that was a very interesting ringtone daniel <laughs> no it was my siri oh sorry i did it i closed no that it was out. hilarious <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I shut it down now, so uh, it won't happen again. Okay, we'll try not to activate your Siri again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, getting technology into healthcare as well, right? Yeah, um, that's a, that's actually a, a field that's uh, particularly um, I have a lot of personal interest in it: technological advancements in healthcare. Um, so yes, we do that as well, actually, in our care pathway. We'll say more. Forget, forget uh, us. Well, say more. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, what we do is that we uh, we give an accelerometer to every patient, uh, mm -hmm. and we give it before surgery, and they get to maintain it uh, until full re return to work. And in that way, uh, the most important invention for the patient is that they get to learn how they move. So. Um, uh, if a patient doesn't move that much or is, if a patient moves uh, a lot in the morning and nothing in the afternoon, uh, it can learn by uh, distributing those activities a little bit different all over the day. Mm -hmm. And as a physical therapist from the practice, they get to see those data as well. Mm -hmm. And we from the hospital as well. And what we tend to see is that patients are, of course, going uh, through quite a big gap after surgery. So uh, where they first moved quite a bit after surgery, you see quite a quite a big gap afterwards. Okay. But uh, it, during your rehabilitation, the the the, the climb, exact, uh, especially in the first part, is 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 quite steep as well. Um, mm -hmm. In getting back your your uh, intensity level of of moving. Uh, and it and it tops off in about three months, so that's quite an interesting finding as well. Yeah. We think that's really interesting. And that's, um, yeah, and that's why we believe that returning to work, uh, where, where, whereas normally p patients, uh, the mean time to return to work is about a half a year, and thirty percent of the patients don't get back to work within one year, and we don't see how we can combine those figures, you know. Um, mm. when you, when most of the rehabilitation takes place in the first three months, why can, can patients return to work as well within those first three months? And we see that if we give good care, mm -hmm. uh, on a occupational level as well, that is a, uh, a goal we can, uh, we can achieve. This is really interesting. And funnily enough, it was going to be my next question as well is how do you think your interventions contribute to improving functional recovery and work reintegration for patients? So this is a really uh, encouraging statistic that's coming out. Yeah, um, yeah definitely. 
Okay, um, so I was going to take a bit of a tangent um, in that um, we were reading through your paper, right? And we read that patients in the USA, um, or USA is going to be the first country where the majority of patients getting knee arthroplasty are going to be of working age um, by 2030 and in Great Britain region in 2035. Yep. Um, so that means there are a lot of people who are getting these surgeries. Um, there is an urgency sort of to return to work. And that was the context of why um, you started this in the first place. Uh, can you talk a little bit uh, about this about this statistic and this gap? Um, and do you find it true for the Netherlands as well? Yeah, so I think there are two main components. It's not only that we see a steep rise in patients who are still in working age, uh, and getting knee arthroplasty, but we see a tremendous in increase in patients overall who are needing knee arthroplasty. Uh, we see an increase of uh, between 300 and 1,000 percent uh, over a time span of about 15 years in all the different countries that uh, have done these studies. So like uh, it's in the Netherlands, Germany, we see it in the UK, we see it in the United States as well. And we've seen that the biggest increase is in patients who are uh, of working age. So I dove a little bit deeper in those figures. And uh, what we saw is that in the Netherlands, about 45% of the patients who are getting knee arthroplasty are, are already in the uh, working age. Mm -hmm. So we're going there for the Netherlands as well. And uh, I think it's not only limited to the Netherlands. I think so as well. Uh... I think it's very important to have good... Uh, interest for uh, getting back to work as well, and not only the rehabilitation process. So that's where we find a key, key um, uh, gap of knowledge in our uh, in our study, and that's where we intervened with our back at work after surgery pathway. Do you have any insights into why this is happening? Into why people younger and younger are needing the anthroposophy? Well, we know from literature that there are two main components, and that is that patients are working more hard um, and more physical than ever before in the Netherlands. Mm -hmm. And the second part is that uh, we see that a lot of patients uh, are getting a little bit unhealthier, sadly. Uh, and that's why uh, the weight is increasing as well, or the BMI. Mm -hmm. And we know that BMI is a very uh, strong predictor for getting knee arthroplasty. So if, if, if our population is, is, is getting a higher BMI, then we see an increase in uh, knee arthroplasty as well. Mm. And actually, the patients who are hospitalized for knee arthroplasty, about 70% of those patients have do, uh, are, are mainly caused by those two issues, by either working too hard or by uh, having a bigger, a higher BMI. Mm -hmm. And there's a third factor that, that plays in mind, and we don't know how strongly that is, but um, we see a lot of more patients who are getting in sports and uh, traumatic uh, knee arthrosis mm -hmm. uh, because of, for example, playing soccer. Mm. And when you have that, you have a bigger chance of getting the arthroplasty on a later age as well. That's interesting. Um, and so uh, in your paper, you propose an integrated pathway that uh, brings collaboration between healthcare providers, employers and patients in order to support successful return to work. Um, how do you ensure, and this is something we talked about in the last conversation as well, right? It has, how do you ensure effective communication and coordination between these stakeholders and what roles do clinicians play 
and facilitating this approach. Yeah. Well, what I think is really, really important is to get a goal first. So you need to know what the goal for the patient is. And we set a goal with using goal attainment scaling. Mm -hmm. And that goal is set always on an activity that is needed to go back to work. And if we have that goal, we will share it with not only the physical therapist, but also with the occupational physician and the occupational expert. So that every professional who is involved has the same goal setting in mind and works towards the same, the same goal. Hmm. And next to that, uh, if we have this digital multidisciplinary hearing, what right. I told you about earlier, then you get to speak with everybody. Instead that only one professional speak, speaks out of its own profession, uh, you will get to, get to speak with one another and make a plan together instead of making five plans next to each other. <laughs> and some might have an overlap and some might be working towards different goals. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so considering the feasibility study and the potential benefits of the, the definite benefits of an integrated pathway, in my opinion, for improved return to work, how do you envision the implementation of such a program within clinical practice? So first we need to assess whether this, this uh, pathway is ec uh, effective or not. Hmm. And uh, I know that it's already working into hospitals in Netherlands, right? Yeah, so what we do is that we currently assess the effectivity and we uh, analyze the cost mm -hmm. and we will uh, compare it to patients who didn't get the back at work after surgery pathway. Mm -hmm. And therefore, we, we are currently seeing about 150 patients in two hospitals, so 75 patients per hospital. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a big hospital in the south of the Netherlands and our hospital here in the, in the north. And if it, if it is proven effective, then we still need to uh, analyze what facilitators and barriers are if you want to implement this in other hospitals. Uh, and I think there is a really key question because in the Netherlands, what I said, you, uh, said to you before is that um, uh, the profession of occupational health is, is quite different than those of, of the medical yeah. care. And even if you look at uh, policymakers, it's uh, two different ministries in uh, in the Netherlands, and and they are currently not really working together. So how do we get to work? Every let everybody get to work together. Mm -hmm. And um, for example, how can we uh, um, how can we organize the finances that are involved? Yeah. Because we can't only get give extra care from the hospital and 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 put extra money in it if the um if the worker is is, is getting the benefit or the yeah. uh, or the insurance company so how can we divide that that financial uh, cost as well and this brings us um, to your roundtable happening at the conference right where you will be discussing some of the barriers and challenges uh what can attendees expect out of this um event or this roundtable of yours well, in the near future, we want to analyze what the facilitates and the barriers are to implement it in the Netherlands. Uh, and therefore, we uh, are going to put up quite a big effective study. Mm -hmm. But if you look at other countries, you will have a lot of different... Um, uh, I don't know how to say... Um, you will have uh, different cultures and you will have different policies. Yep. Uh, and um, and what, what, what we will see, for example, is that in one uh, 
nation, a, a patient will get some workers' compensation and in other nations they won't. And yeah. does that affect to implement these kind of cares um, in, in another country? And that's what, what we want to discuss with this international audience. Mm-hmm. Um, and we hope to get the audience involved as well uh, by, uh, yeah. by thinking with us to what those barriers or limitations for a certain country might be. And it could turn into a really interesting conversation because now we're not just talking about uh, systems in terms of hospitals, we're talking about policy systems, we're talking about insurance systems, we're talking about countrywide systems that could help uh, manage back to return, back back to return, return to work uh, more successful for patients. Yeah, I just visited, for example, in uh, Copenhagen, uh, a conference. And in Copenhagen and in Sweden as well, you will see that the municipalities are mm-hmm. uh, um, uh, are guiding the, the, the health bit, but also the occupational uh, health. And, and therefore, the gain is a lot easier because if you, if you insert a little bit of money into the healthcare, you will see that you have a benefit on the other end. But in a lot of other hosp- uh, in a lot of other countries, for example, in the Netherlands, you don't have these kind of systems, and it's more divided, uh, and it brings challenges to to implementing these kind of cares. I think. Do you have any strategies or recommendations on how to overcome these challenges? Yeah, I think you need to speak to quite a w- broad audience to to uh, to implement these kind of care. Uh, and what we see as well is that uh, the implementation uh, requires a different way of thinking. And that's quite hard to implement in a hospital because we are mostly busy uh, giving care and not thinking about returning to work. Yeah. So I think that if you implement it in another hospital, even in the Netherlands, you need to take time and you need to uh, sit together with the physiotherapist and the patient from another hospital and learn what we do here in, in Nijsmelling Hospital, but also in, uh, in Tilburg, in uh, Elisabeth Tweestede Hospital. Interesting. Um, is there anything else that you would like attendees to know? Um, no, not really, but I really hope that a lot of attendees come uh, so that we get to think with a lot of different uh, nationalities yeah. and uh, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm really looking forward to it as well. It's certainly going to be an interesting conversation and I'll see you in Bangalore. I'm going to... Go on. Thank you very much, Diti. Thank you, Daniel. Uh, and thank you for bringing some humor into this episode with your CD. <laughs> <laughs> really good. <laughs> <laughs>